This, 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 I'm Adam Catterall. And I'm Nick Pete. And welcome to episode five, Deep Down and Dirty. Coming up on this week's podcast. Derry Matthews tells us what tune he serenades his missus to. Oh, Bruno Mars. Bruno, Bruno Mars. Mars. That went so just the way you are. He also makes a prediction for a fellow Scouse boxer. I said that. He beats Cotto. Yeah, I think he does. I really and think he does. said Cotto's done now. Yeah. And finally, a bit of fun. Derry Matthews is a Coronation Street fan. He knows all the characters. Steve MacDonald. <laughs> Kevin Webster. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Before we get to Dirty Derry Matthews and his WBO world title efforts against Terry Flanagan, I think it's only fair that we look back at UFC 196. The most ridiculous night of mixed martial arts I think I've ever come across in my entire life. How much money would you have got for a Tate Diaz double? It's quite a scary thought to think, you know. I know Misha Tate was 6-1 to one for a submission finish over Holly Holm, so I can't imagine Nate Diaz was uh, was too different, you know, but a tenner on that would have gone a long way, wouldn't it? What a £10 double that would have been. And the, the daft thing is, like so often, Adam, in hindsight, in hindsight, mm. If either of them were ever going to win that fight, those respective fights, it was going to be via submission. Mm. You know, it's one of them where you kick yourself afterwards and think, God, why don't you just throw a tenner on a little cheeky double there? Misha Tate is never outboxing Holly Holm. No. And let's talk about them first, the Bantamweight girls, right? Because obviously the way that this has come about, it's built so beautifully with the Ronda Rousey knockout that Holly Holm did at the end of the last year. Remember, Ronda Rousey's already beaten Misha Tate on two separate occasions. Yeah. So this was kind of the fight to build up towards, back towards Ronda Rousey. Everybody... Fan-wise, the UFC probably, from a money-making yeah. point of view, want Holly Holm to win that fight in order to set up that big rematch with Ronda Rousey. Not yeah. the case. However, the fight, the way it was going, Holly Holm was in control of that fight up until that submission in the in the last round. Completely, yeah. We we did see a flash of what Misha Tate was capable of in the second round. Yeah, you know, she had a big. I thought she was going to take her in that second round. She looked like she was about to. Yeah, she had a little submission push in that round as well. But Holly Holm did well to get out of it. A scramble was really good. She eventually got back on her feet. Completely dominated the third and fourth round like she did the first with a boxing. Yeah, and you thought Misha Tate can't get near her. She can't get that takedown. If she could get on the ground, it might be a different story. And then wham bam, thank you, man. She drops it in the fifth round and takes her back and chokes her out and uh, you the know the way she choked her out though yeah it was it was she, an incredible she got finish. slammed over her shoulders it was ridiculous the way that she managed to hold on yeah because obviously with all the sweat and stuff like that you would anticipate that you might lose the grip a little bit no she yeah. was not relinquishing the bantamweight crown i think most jujitsu guys who have seen or people who train jujitsu will have watched that and as soon as misha got her back and looked like she was getting that rear naked choke locked in pretty tight on her back. That was desperate times then from Holly Holm. That was a desperation move to throw, to, to, to toss over and effectively throw Misha on her back so she landed on top. That's like, you know, it's like the, the last move of a dying, a dying animal, you know what I mean? Yeah, she was yeah. in a lot of trouble at that point. And that can go either one or two ways. If you get lucky, they fall uncomfortably. They may be, you may get a small release, as you say. Sweat plays a factor. The arm slips. You can get your chin out the way. But most most often, more more often than not, 
you know, a, a decent person with a good submission lock like that in ain't going to let go. And doing that kind of manoeuvre is only going to make it worse. And that's exactly what happened with Holly Holm. Kudos to Holly Holm for not tapping out. They're not tap out. It was just incredible. She you went know. blue, it. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> there's two ways to look at that, actually. You can either say she was incredibly brave and showed a true warrior's champion's heart, or she was jujitsu naive that she didn't think... How do you look at it? You've been following this for 16 um, years. Come on. Well, I would say that it's probably a little bit of both. She's a brave girl, super brave, and she didn't want to give up. She didn't want to tap out. She didn't want to give that belt up. That's perfectly clear. A jiu-jitsu is, you know, it's non-existent yeah, compared yeah. to a lot of girls in the UFC, certainly, certainly Misha Tate. So perhaps she thought, you know, her arms might burn out. There's a way out of it. I don't know. All these things going through her mind a million, million miles an hour. But... That just shows what Holly Holmes, the stuff she's made of, I suppose, that she didn't tap out. She just refused and she never gave up hope. But, you know, just at the end there, as she was going unconscious, she started throwing punches at Herb Dean's feet, you know, or whoever the referee was. So that was when you knew, oh God, she's gone. She's gone here. But you know what? It's just rewards for, for Misha Tate. It's, uh, you know, she's had to do it the hard way. She's fought Ronda twice. She's been beaten by Ronda twice. She took Ronda the distance, only only girl to do it. Uh, but she got beat by Ronda twice. She's gone away. She's won four or five fights back to back. Stopped them all, I believe. You know, she's proved herself that she deserves a shot at the yeah. title. Six months ago, prior to Holly fighting Ronda, the UFC basically, when they made that fight for Holly Holm to fight Ronda Rousey, Misha Tate kind of went, well, what am I still competing for then? Maybe I should just retire because I've done everything. I kind of beat everybody in front of, between me and Ronda again. I deserve the third fight with Ronda. What else can I possibly do? And then obviously when Holly beat Ronda, Ronda's decided she wants a sabbatical now to make movies or whatever. I'm glad Misha Tate got her chance and boy, did she take it with both hands. I think that third fight is coming and it's coming very, very quickly. Get ready for UFC 200 because I think they will be on that card. It wouldn't surprise me. It <laughs> certainly wouldn't surprise me. Uh, speaking of Brazilian jiu-jitsu masters, my friend, um, for those casual fans that have dipped in because of the McGregor bubble yeah, and obviously anticipated <clears throat> McGregor to win, we were two of those people that anticipated him to win. However, yeah. your uh, career stems back 16 years. You've seen a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Um, when the dust settles and you analyse the fight, the surprise kind of words off a little bit because Nate Diaz... When it comes to Brazilian jiu-jitsu, is there anybody better in the UFC at that weight category than him? Well, he's a beast. He's an absolute beast, you know. And um, his jiu-jitsu credentials, you know, he's a... I think he's a striped black belt, not just a black belt, you know. He's he's he's, he's straight he's, out he, of the Gracie... He's got it with cherries on top. Well, exactly. <laughs> he's straight out of the Gracie lineage as well. Cesar Gracie is his mentor. You know, the Gracie family basically invented Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It doesn't get any more pure than that, basically. Um, his finish against Connor. You know, not just the finish itself, though. It was the manner in which he finished him. He took Conor McGregor's best shots for five minutes of that first round, and he was still standing in the yeah. second round, and he was still walking Conor down. And Conor was teeing off and teeing off. And in the end, as we all seen, it was actually Nate Diaz's left hook that caught Conor, that wobbled Conor. Conor got in trouble. He panicked. He tried to shoot on Nate Diaz, which was just ridiculous. And, uh, and and obviously that's where the finish came from then. But you know, it, it's been an amazing time last couple of years since Conor came into the UFC. He's brought so many new eyeballs to the sport. Main UFC has basically gone mainstream, certainly on this side of the Atlantic, largely because of Conor McGregor's yep. success. You know, he's on the BBC. He's everywhere now, absolutely everywhere. 
that shouldn't continue now. Any, new fans shouldn't suddenly switch off. This is not this is not what the sport's all about. There's a million ways to win in MMA. That's what that's why it's so entertaining. Absolutely, nobody's got an undefeated record in MMA. It just doesn't work like that. If you've the the the, the old story in MMA, Matthews, the former welterweight champion of the UFC, he was famous of saying, "If you've got an undefeated record in MMA." You're fighting the wrong people. Mm. And that's true. You know, if you take... Conor McGregor could have picked his opponents. He could have said, you know what, Rafael de Sanos is out. I'll fight another featherweight or I'll fight a blown-up bantamweight or whatever it may be. He could have done that. No problem. Everybody, he's the golden paycheck, after all. Mm. But he didn't. He said, no... I want Nate Diaz and I'll do it at 170 because that's the fight. Every fan out there said, oh, if, I, if he's out, we want Nate Diaz, we want Nate Diaz. Great, we'll do Nate Diaz. And kudos to Conor McGregor, and we talked about it earlier. He's come out of it with so much respect, hasn't he? You know, his response since the defeat has been, he's took it like a champ, he's took it like a man. And he's kind of turned it on back on the, the Brazilians, especially, who are having a go over him now, Jose Aldo. How, how Jose Aldo lasted 13 seconds with Conor and got absolutely knocked spark out can now turn around and have a go at Conor and call Conor a pussy and say Conor's shit and all this kind of stuff. How dare he? He lasted 13 seconds, but you Put your money where your mouth is. Mm. So, talking about UFC 200, wouldn't surprise me to see Aldo McGregor too. At 145? At, back down at 145. There's a major overhaul going on at the moment. I heard rumours that backstage at UFC 196 on Saturday night, there's a rumour that there was a Conor McGregor, Robbie Lawler poster for UFC 200 ready to go. That's just a rumour. I've not seen the poster, but I've heard they had a poster backstage. So that's that's how far along plans had become on the back of Conor doing well at 170. How that landscape changes now is Nate Diaz has fought at 170 before, prior to this Conor fight, but he would prefer to fight at 155. Mm. Conor's obviously the 145 champ. Uh, Robbie Lawler obviously is the 170 champ the welterweight champ but now GSP was ringside on Saturday GSP hasn't been ringside for years he doesn't go to the events the only time you see a GSP at an event is if he's cornering one of his teammates from Montreal there was no one from Montreal on the bill so what's George St. Pierre doing ringside if he isn't to get back involved at UFC 200 my prediction Robbie Lawler George St. Pierre headlines for the welterweight title Conor McGregor versus Jose Aldo or Frankie Edgar for the 145 featherweight title, co-main, and then Nate Diaz against Rafael de Sanyos for the lightweight title. And Boom. And Holly Holm against, uh, sorry, Misha Tate, Tate against Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey 3. In fact, wow, there's about four co-main events there, actually. It's incredible. It, the, the options out there are endless, and UFC 200 in July is going to be insane. Insane. Look at his little face. Can, can you hear the excitement? excitement? Can you hear the excitement coming through your I headphones or your speakers? What no, you honestly, do at the, the UFC has been the last fortnight with the UFC has been so the most entertaining. It's you know it's been, been sensational. Yeah, on the back of Bisping beating Anderson and then the, the, the you know Connor getting beat by Diaz. Oh, it's it's been bonkers. I been hope crazy. exactly what you just said there. That all these new eyes that have come to the UFC because of McGregor are not now. Well, it's over now. It's not over. Not far from it. Keep far from watching it. Exactly. Because it's going to get even bigger. Exactly. And Connor, whether he goes back to featherweight or whether he does fight for the lightweight title, he's still Connor. He's still as engaging as ever. He's still as entertaining as ever. He's still a greater fighter as ever. Even when he's humble, he's quite engaging. Exactly. Uh, completely. Because he's a complete. He's just a normal fella. That's the great thing about him. You know, he's got. He hasn't got a script writer. He doesn't plan it all before, and it's just off the cuff. It's just as crack. It's just the way he is. It's but just he his crack. Exactly. For everybody in America that is think listening to us right now, <laughs> thinking, "What's that mean?" Just his crack. He's got a bit of banter. About exactly. Him. That's what he's all about. Uh, let's move uh, swiftly on towards uh, the next fight night that we've got, uh, March the twelfth. 
It's at the Echo Arena in Liverpool, your home city, Nick. Yeah. It's a big one. Uh, Derry Matthews, Terry Flanagan going for the WBO Lightweight Championship of the World. On the undercard, at this moment in time, at the recording of this podcast, Guillermo Rigondo, obviously many class him as the pound for pound best in the world, yeah. uh, taking on um, our very own Jazza Dickens, Dickens yeah. Super Bantamweight. However, we are hearing rumours that there is a little bit of... Uh, uh, confusion, a little bit of a hold-up regarding um, Rigondo's visa. Yep. He's been training out of Russia. He needs to get a visa, obviously, to work and fight on Saturday night. That's not actually necessarily come through as of the recording of this podcast. He was due in Liverpool on the Monday uh, for an open workout at Derry Matthews' gym. Obviously, yep. he wasn't there. He's not here on the Tuesday. Um, we are hearing rumours that he will be in Liverpool Wednesday night into yeah, Thursday yeah. morning, yeah, he yeah. will be in the city. And Thursday is the day that he's scheduled for the press conference. Yes. So we are hopefully breaking a little bit of news for you now that it will go ahead, even though all these rumours are going around saying yeah, it might yeah. be off. All signs remain positive that this will be sorted out. They are not presently, I'm told, working on an alternative opponent for Jazza Dickens. It will be Rigondo. Um And we just kind of keep our fingers crossed now. Everyone listens to this podcast on Wednesday or whatever. Keep our fingers crossed that he manages to get on a flight. If you want to hear uh, from Jazza Dickens, he did feature on our episode two, Not Everybody's Cup of Tea, which also features Danny Hot Chocolate. You'll see him next on UFC 197. But Jazza was brilliant in that podcast. Go and subscribe, go and download it, and you'll have a right laugh uh, with the boy that hopefully is taking on Rigo at the weekend. Now then, we turn our attention to the main event. It is Derry Matthews versus Terry Flanagan. Hopefully by the end of the week, uh, when he's in Liverpool for the press conference, we'll catch up with Terry Flanagan. Uh, however, uh, with Nick being a dear friend of Derry uh, Matthews, we managed to get our hands on him a couple of weeks ago and talk to him in great length about his world title shot in his 50th fight. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Um, I won't comment that you brought your chaperone to uh, the studio with you this yeah. afternoon. <laughs> the boss, Shell's the boss. The boss know is that. Mrs Matthews is here, she's keeping an eye on everything, making sure that we don't stitch him up on the old interview and what have you, just keeping tabs. She's, she said that she doesn't want to be involved in the interview in any way, shape or form, but I'm sure we'll get her involved in. I said I was coming to meet Nick, but she said I'm coming with yes, she's a trust for you. We're getting about five in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> We're obviously going to talk Terry Flanagan at some point during this interview. However, yeah. uh, I think it's only fair that um, for casual fight fans, we show a little bit of your personality off my man. We, we, yeah. we let them into where Derry Matthews is the man. Uh, now, ca- this kind of leads me on nicely because obviously you brought your good lady with you. Um, so just a random question to start us off. Um, what is your song between you and your good lady? I shot that song. Oh, that's a good question. No, it is. That's got to be that. some kind of scouse house. Come on. I'm trying to think from the wedding, what was your first dance song? Oh, Bruno Mars. Bruno, Bruno Mars. Mars. That's that wedding song, just the way you are. When when Bruno Mars drops in the Matthews household, then that's when the... Uh, that's it. That's when, that's when the when fireworks... That, that, <laughs> that's when the Do Not Disturb sign goes up. <laughs> <laughs> what's, your, uh, what's your fancy dress costume? I haven't got one. Get out, man. I, I don't believe you. Don't wear it. I'm not into it all that. You don't have a... Fa- you're lying to me. I can tell no, you first. You- I've never, no, I've never been a, even a fancy dress party. I wouldn't... Just, wouldn't entertain her? Wouldn't entertain them, no. <laughs> Would you go I with... Just, I'd go on a bike, I think, and just be Lance Armstrong or something like that. <laughs> 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 so it <turns> up. <laughs> what food do you miss during camp? Not hers, because she doesn't cook for me. I love lasagna and... Everything. We eat everything. We eat, when I'm not in camp, I must always eat out five nights a week. Everything. Everything. We all 
Thai place in West Derby Village, the Mexican next door. We go everywhere. Eat anything. What fuels your Jordan fight week? Are you still eating? I remember that oh. one time you said Spanish omelettes are the key. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, they was, they was at one point. Uh, <laughs> Those days are gone now. Yeah, those days are gone. Uh, <laughs> I have Taffy does my nutrition. He uh, he gives me stuff to have berries and I'm still eating omelettes. Um, everything grilled, oh, just smaller portions, more fluid than anything. Five six liters of water. Some days eight, mm. and just flush it all out. Do you do any uh, salt reduction? Do you do no. salt baths and all no. that kind of stuff? I've Good. done one salt bath once, and I'll never ever. I got out the bath and I've, you just felt awful. Oh, never ever again. And when I got beat to Stephen Ormond, I couldn't get the last two pounds off, and we got a hot bath. Just kept topping it up, topping it up. Remember going away in. You want to get a bin bag on, lad? Get a bin bag on and go for a little bit of a trek. Then I'm going away in the Neilton. And I was over. Checked my weight again. I was over. I just had to keep getting red off bats. And I felt terrible. Yeah. Felt terrible. And then my body wouldn't hydrate again. So I got beat. Is that something you've learned over that, the oh, yeah, years? That, the the weight cutting is that. Yeah. That's me, the first fight, isn't it? Me la- yeah. My last three fights, I've been able to have breakfast. Well, the day the way? Yeah. Well, when I say breakfast, I've been able to snack and yeah, yeah. a little bit of bowl of porridge or whatever. And I've never done it before. So in my last four fights, since I joined up with Taff, I've always done it where I've woke up in the morning and I've, I've had to go on the scales. I've, I've gone up, before I've gone on the scales, I've drank. And everyone's looking at me so to say, he's, he's done the weight well. Yeah. And I've drank and I've drank. But the almond fight, that's when I realised, you know, it's make or break for the next fight. And luckily enough, it's... Amazing. Is that why you brought a nutritionist in? Yeah, I just noticed that we, we, we went and teamed up. Uh, me and Danny went over to MGM Marbella. We're buzzing to be asked to be a part of them, and then first day I got there, it's mad. I got there before Danny got there. I was there a day, or I got there in the morning. Danny never landed to the night. As soon as I got there, we went in the bar, had some food, and Taff come in and went, "Do you want to come take me downstairs?" First session, I just said to come up to Danny, said everything's just done. Then it's brilliant, and then we just clicked, and then. That's it, and then now Taft's profile's raised to the roof and he's saying loads of fighters, Jamie Conlon, um, he's got a few more Irish kids. And so what's Taft, is he the strength and conditioning coach strength and conditioning at MGM, coach. is he? Yeah, and he does all my nutrition, what to eat, when to eat, times to eat, and it's it's, it's perfect for me. As a, fi- as a fighter, yeah, yeah. that's what you need one of them full time. Absolutely, I suppose, and it must be quite revolutionary to find that at the 49 fight, well, 50th fight coming up. 50, exactly. I wish you could have found him when I was 18. <laughs> <laughs> or I wish you could have found MGM at 18. I keep saying, I'll be sitting on a boat, retired. How, how, difference is, how difference is the facilities in Marbella? I've not been out there. What, what, what's the major difference to where you've been used to working? I mean, you know, there's some boss gyms in Liverpool and there's, there's great gyms around the city, but it's just the heat, the weather is a, is a massive bonus for me. For, for me, for instance, I've got Taft there. Everyone wants to go there for sparring, so it's easy to get sparring out there. They all love it. Danny Vaughan is, is fitted right in there. Um, if we want that gym, the gym's open for anyone to use um, from 7 in the morning to I think it's 10 at night. But if we're sparring one day and we want that closed, the gym gets closed, everyone gets turfed out. It's one of them, you know, they respect, they respect everything you do and they love boxing. The people in there love boxing. Even just the general public in there will always. If you need the ring, you're in the ring. If you need the running bike, the running machine, you need you get the running machine. It's got everything from a hot yoga place in there, a spa, top of the top of the range gym. So who's the fighters over there now? Who's over there? 
You've been out there with Tommy Martin, haven't you? Tommy yeah. Martin's out there, isn't Tommy he? Tommy Martin, <clears throat> he, um, he was on his camp there. I think they've got 70 fighters. They've signed 70. Um, well, Martin, Martin, Martin's just signed up this yeah, week, hasn't he? That was in... Their 70 fighters within two years. They've signed. Within even 18 months. So, they've got... Every, if you want to go into your camp there, hmm. you take your full team, your accommodation's there for you, your food there on site, everything. It's a dream. It is a dream come true for a fighter. Open up and kids now. They've got to be... The MGMR Bay is the place to be and I think that's that's where they all want to go. Describe Terry Flanagan in three words. Ugly. <laughs> Good. I can't say the last one because he's pulled out. So <laughs> I was, was going to say shit on his When you first heard the news from pulling out, what was your first reaction? What was the first thing you said to Shell? I think I, I texted him. said it's off. <clears throat> but... I thought it was a wind-up. I was about to do my last six-round spa. Danny said he'd seen enough. About to just lace the gloves up. And we got a phone call um, off Daniel just to say, listen, he's, Daniel's managing me. Um, the fight's off. He's put on. I just thought, oh, no. I thought about the Abel fight. Mm. And I thought, I'm never going to get my chance. I thought he's going to have a mandatory challenge. He's got a mandatory coming up. Yeah. Well, I'll have the mandatory. So he's got a mandatory coming up. And I thought... I said I'm going to lose my slot and then he said no we're going to put it back we'll put it back five weeks and then he went they're trying to get it in Manchester so fair enough and then Frank Warren said they're going nowhere it's happening in Liverpool and with the news what's come out today I think that's that's helped it as well being in Liverpool as well I think that fight was already in the pipeline and you know it's another Liverpool fighter fighting probably the best fighter on the planet in Vigondo mm. looking back though looking back now to you know the first version of a world title that you won WBU Stephen Foster in Manchester when you look back now Derry and you look at where your career's been the roller the fucking roller coaster ride it's been ups and downs and do you, do you, are you still pinching yourself now a little bit that you know after all that work all that effort all that the tears the blood the sweat you've got you, the, the, a proper world title fight yeah because it, it doesn't happen once it's happened twice now for me when I won the WBU, that was one of the main belts around. Yeah. Ricky Atten had it. Yeah. had had one Nearly for years. Had one. Mm. David Burke, my idol, Peter Coshaw, Colin Dunn. They're all the Liverpool fights, but at the time, Ricky Atten had it. Shane yeah. Ailey lost to Mickey Ward for mm. it. Yeah. That's a, it was a massive belt, and I was the youngest one ever to win it. And no one said I was winning it. There was only a few of us, me, Nick, and yep. the people in Liverpool. We knew we could win remember, it. Remember Steve Foster's half fella nearly filled me in at the press conference? He said there was... He said there was No, what happened was, I was asking, Foster hadn't made featherweight in a long time and stuff. And that was uh, for the remote, because we meant to have two. That's mm. right. <clears throat> so, the first time I beat him easy, yeah. and he said he had problems in camp, so I was under contract. So, we had a contract that I'd fight him again. So, he, so, so he kicked off at the press conference? So, no, and then... <laughs> I remember Nick saying to, to him, you gonna, do you think you're going to make the weight? You look big. Because he looked massive at the press conference. And then I said... And obviously it touched the nerve. Nick to get outside. It touched the nerve because Steve Foster's dad, the Viking, former pro boxer himself, asked me to get outside, yeah. So I did my best winky right dodge and move and got we out of the way. We had to kept food on us, didn't we? Yeah. kept food on us, didn't we? kept food on us, didn't we? But uh, it's, it's mad now, Daddy, to look at that and then obviously what a great night that was you had in Manchester, WB world title, bring it back to Liverpool. And then obviously your career in 2008, 2009, such a low point. 
you know, even now, even now when you look at it, you think, how did you come back from that? How did you come back from what must have been a f- proper dark hole for you to be in, to be where you are now? I know. It's inc- incredible. It's, it's testament to you, honest to God. It's testament to you and your team. It's, it's mad. Like, the only reason, and I believe that, yeah, I went downhill. I got a box tree. Now, I'm a fighter. I'll fight anyone. Mm. But I shouldn't have been in the ring with him. He was an, he was an animal. Yeah. He was like a Costa Zoo. The miniature yeah. version of Costa yeah, Zoo is exactly he was, what he was. He was like, he was phenomenal. But the only reason I boxed him was because another Manchester fighter and Steve Foster mm. pulled out. So if it was a box Foster again, I could have still, I could have been sitting here retired. Yeah. I wonder, well, that's uh, a bit crap for us, yeah, man, because we wouldn't be doing so, the interview, would so we? I believe that <laughs> things happen for a, for a reason. Uh, I had to get beat for a reason. I got beat. Got beat three times in a, on a bounce. Yeah. Yeah, beat once. Come it was back. sure you come back and won. In a round. But it went and then you fought. I love that you're asking him. I love that you're asking him. <laughs> He's had four he just give it. <laughs> And then he went, he went to Sheffield and fought Martin Lindsay and boxed his socks off for ten rounds. Martin Lindsay. Put Martin Lindsay. caught with a lottery punch. Put Martin Lindsay over twice. Beating him easy. Yeah. Last minute. The last round. Yeah. Hit me with a left hook. That's like boxing what, though, isn't it? Like what I done to Tommy Coyle. Yeah, it was. It was a lottery so, punch. Yeah, exactly. It, these things happen. And then, so at, at that point in time, though, the, obviously you've you've always been close with the Vaughan family. They've been a massive influence in your family. Was that a time then you all came together or did you go and see a sports psychologist or was it just about you getting your no, head round? I, I remember getting beat to, to Lawton. And realistically, I should be beating Scott Lawton every day of the week, but I like, don't wrong, I like Scott, he's a good fighter. Um, but he was a bit old and a bit past it and then I remember Crane beat Scott Lawton I got promised anyway of Ricky and we had signed a contract with Ricky I beat Scott Lawton on a fight for the European title and it was to be honest it was great, it was great money live on Sky top of my own bill in Liverpool so I went on box Scott Lawton I, I just give in and that's not like me to give in anything I just nothing, nothing went right for me nothing in the fight mm. couldn't, couldn't hold shot I was like and I got ended up getting stopped and being backstage with George and Danny and then George just said, That's it, we're done. I was like, What? And then he went, Now nah, we're done. We we have had a great career. We've yeah. won more than what we expected. Yeah. World uh, title, yeah. Cause at the time I was world champion, we've done he said, You've done everything. I went, Okay, blah blah blah, went home, cried for a few days, went just just sat there and just couldn't believe it. Put a bit of weight on. A lot of weight. Um, when I was about 12 and a half stone, it was massive. And then, all right, mate, I'm 12 and a half stone. There's no need to rub it in. And, uh, right. I remember going going to the gym back to George and was thinking, I might have a see if he'll have a comeback. This was only a few weeks later. And then I was going to the gym and helping him, but I was jealous of helping him in the gym. I yeah. was going to the gym and the Smiths were there at the time Paul Edwards, Sal Kirk, um, Joe McNally's. Tiger Matthews, they were all in the gym with the Berg brothers. You knew you still had something left. So, but 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 George wanted me to uh, be a, like a, a number two with Danny, like help out him. And I was thinking, nah, it's not not me. And then in the end, I just I said I, I couldn't couldn't face being in the gym. Yeah. With them, do you know what I mean? I wanted to be be uh, be like away. If we ain't got a box, I wanted to be away from it. And then I think it took was it two years? I think it took two years out. Yeah. Um, started boxing academy, and then met my wife, um, and then we, it's it's gone from there. Was it George then? That do you think George wanted you to convince him that you still wanted it? 
because he didn't want you to get hurt, obviously. Yeah, he, he, if you say you quit against Lawton, then George seen you quit against Lawton. So maybe George, yeah. did George go, right, that's it, we're finished. But he wanted to see you get, yeah. to, you know, George, it sounds like a cliche, the eye of the tiger back. Yeah, George is like, anyone outside him around boxing, he's like my dad's in boxing, you know what I mean? He's like, being there, I remember the first time, well, I've obviously, my cousin's his, grand, his grandson, so I've known him all my life since I was a baby, but the first ever training session with him, got a, a signs on the, on the Friday, Sunday, San for Stephen Fawn on the Friday, Sunday morning, George rings me, goes, right, training tomorrow. So he says, okay, I'll meet you on a Netherfield Road at half six. So I said, okay. And I was thinking, that's a bit late. So I had to ring him back and say, half six in the night, it's a bit late. He said, no, half six in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so then I went, I didn't even know he was two half six. <laughs> and I'm like, half six in the morning, he went, yeah. For the first two or three months, every morning, we'd done six miles on a bike. And just just slow, just running. But it weren't George like that weren't training. That was just it, George getting to know me. What it was mad. What foods do I like? What what do you like to drink? It's mad. when I look back and go, it's mad. We were just on a on a roll for six miles every every day, different quest. He must have had them in his head. <laughs> well I'll ask him today after the mile. Blah, blah. And then just getting to know me as a as a person and Amazing. And you then, need that though, don't yeah. you? Yeah. And then Certain fighters gel with certain trainers, yeah. and then from then, and when I did come back, I decided that to even George admits it to come back. I needed a fresh start. I needed some something new, and mm. and I, I teamed up with Oliver Allison. And the day I went in Oliver's gym, I realised he was a he's a well he was a world class coach. And Martin Murray was in there. Jamie Moore was in there. He'd had the Mia Khan. And it was an old school gym, scruffy gym, really scruffy, man. And I like that. I like that's where I'm from. And showers, cold showers, and verrucas all over the floors and all that. <clears throat> Can I just point out that if you're getting a membership for Derry's actual gym, that, no, that's not the case no, at all. Clean. It is it's that's much right. cleaner, much cleaner gaff. You're not going to get verrucas, I promise you. Get yourself signed <laughs> up and get in some of these classes that uh, they currently run down at Derry's gym in there. I've noticed as well that uh, on a wider scale, um, there are other family members starting to participate in the uh, world of boxing at this moment yeah. in time. I've seen a couple of pictures of your niece and nephew, yeah. obviously all strapped up. You've been taking them actually to the shop this week, ain't you, to yeah. get some new boots and what have you? My little nephew. He's um, just another version of me, isn't he? I think everyone says, everyone I spoke to. Um, my old amateur coach, Tony Chalner, he took some of us, he's got an academy in Bolton, he took some of them down to the No Limits gym. And as soon as he seen them, he said to me, my sister, He's got to be yours. He's daddy all over, <laughs> and he's just like he's just not. He's just one of them naturally gifted kids. How old is he? He's ten. He's going to have his first skills bout. I've got a niece. I've got a niece who's eight. Yeah. Um, so he got them big Matthews shoulders. Yeah, he has. <laughs> he yeah. Looks like he's left <laughs> he's a coat hanger in his t-shirt. I think he's about he's under four stone. Is he? He's got big massive ears. <laughs> <laughs> big, big shoulders, and everyone just says it's you. It's just me all over and brilliant. I, but to be honest, I think he's better than me. Yeah, good. Um, so he's at the No Limits gym. They're doing, they're doing brilliant with him. He was with me for a bit. We were learning them, and then how do you find that? Like teaching dad, him? I just want him. The, the lads there looking after him, but everyone's like, I should have been after Solly. He's like, but he's his own, he's his own man. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. To be honest, they're top coach out there, and yeah, yeah. I don't think he'll leave there. I think he'll be with them till he'll be like me, one man club. You're happy if you're not going to do it. At one club, you're not going to do it in another club. That, that's my motto. If, you, if you're good enough, you'll be able to do it anywhere. Yeah. Are you going to go and watch him? Oh, of course, yeah. I've got to see him. I've got to. 
and fingers crossed he does the job so if, me, if he lets me down I'm going to batter him myself <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, ni- my niece is better than him is, it, is yeah. she really? she's better than him she's bigger than him as well <laughs> she's only 8 good she, sparring partner yeah. then when they're around the house yeah, so, and the club have been taking them out sparring the lads at No Limits they've been taking them around the city sparring being, sparring, being up to Solly um, Rotunda and stuff like that so, so, well, well. so Alan Lynch is not talking to you no more no he, he won't be happy really <laughs> no. he won't be very happy uh, for people that follow um, Daddy's Twitter, they'll uh, they'll know full well that you've got that scouse wit about you. You do like to get involved in a little bit of banter. Um, she runs it after the time. Does she? <laughs> <laughs> so, she's been, so the wife's been teaching so you how to open and blind and everyone. All the swear of it's the wife. <laughs> is that the one it is? Well, I was going to uh, obviously bring up Curtis uh, Winehouse and, oh, and the banter man. that was on there this week yeah. was absolutely hysterical. Brilliant. Sure, I like Curtis. I like Curtis as a, as a fellow. He's a, he's a gentleman and... I had to tonight. Of course you did. He, he, he was basically wanting suggestions for a name and a front cover, a cover. of his book. So I put one. Did you see it, Nick? I didn't see I it. I put one where I flattened him. <laughs> and the headline was, you should have kept your football boots. <laughs> should have stuck to footy. Should have stuck to footy. And he was fuming. He texted me, have you? He weren't happy. He weren't happy, but, you know, I remember sparring Curtis, and we were obviously we boxed. First time I sparred him, he was the weight above and I, I don't spar and sp- I never went in sparring I don't landing shot I get battered and he was battering me for a week and I was thinking oh. and then when the fight got announced I was like and people in our gym who'd see me going are you sure about this I'm going yeah it's only sparring that's <laughs> yeah, where yeah. you learn and then look what happened in the fight that, that goes to show Terry Flanagan was at the press conference bragging about our spar ask Curtis Woodhouse what he'd done to me he absolutely murdered me Woodhouse and yeah. look what I'd done to him yeah don't, the Flanagan fight as well for anyone that might just be looking on box rec or looking at records you know you you went into that semi-final prize fighter with cuts over both eyes. both eyes you know you come into it from a war in the first round and stuff and uh, you know I think the tactics will be very different from both corners come yeah. come the fight he knows he knows he's, he's and that's why I don't honestly think he's injured I just I think he'd realised that he's enjoyed himself for Christmas and he's in a proper fight. At first, I thought he'd just thought, oh, it's a payday for him. He thinks it's a payday. And as the weeks have gone on and gone on, I think he's realised, you know what, I'm in a bit of bit of trouble here. I might need a bit longer. He's saying he can show scans and all that, but I can go to your dad and get scans. From your hospital, yeah. I can go anywhere and get, and get scans. It's just... Do you think he's struggling with weight? Yeah, because the day he pulled out of the fight, we had to check weigh-in by the WBO. Um, they flew over to Spain to do me. And they must have been to Manchester to do him. And we never had to do it because... Oh, sorry, the day before it was, they were coming the next day. So we never had to do that. And the day he pulled out, Everton played City and he was taking penalties on the pitch at City. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't have hurt his ankle that much. He was on the pitch with Tony Bellew playing footy. No worries. So There you go. Make it out what you will. And yeah. my, other, my other thing is, if you hurt your ankle, you don't know how long you're out for. Well, that was the thing that, what the only report I did, true or not, I did it was ligament damage in his foot. Yeah. Well, I've got bad lig- bad ligaments in my knees, and the doctors told me I've been to see every physio under the sun. It could take two years of slow recuperation. Yeah, it, could t- it, could take, d- it doesn't take a month. It doesn't take. A, he, he pulled out on the, the Wednesday thing was, on the Friday, uh, on the Monday he started training again. How can you? You can't move. You can't put weight on a foot. You can, so. Well, hopefully that's mixed messages, you know, and you mm. know, give give him the benefit. I see him say of the he's doubt. been doing a lot of swimming and all that. So 
If he is injured, I hope I hope I'm a speedy recovery. And I don't want to make an excuse when I beat him. I don't want to say I've got a bad foot, I've got this. I want the best Terry Flanagan he can have and because they're gonna get the best Terry Matthews and one winner for me and it's myself. On a on a positive note, Frank worked wonders. Yeah. Uh, March the twelfth, got it rearranged, back in the echo. I feel for, I feel sorry for all the taxi drivers that had all the posters on the side of the blooming taxis no, with I the wrong date on, mate. I seen one today and it had the date changed. So I tell you what, he must have spent a few quid. Even the big, the big poster, yeah, the big billboard outside the here, billboards outside the letters that's a control. He spent a few quid on the advertising. So flipping it, Bill Flanagan. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been rearranged. It's back on. So obviously we've already spoke about that and that. Sometimes, like when we've we spoke to, for example, Tyson Fury's camp with the Klitschko thing, when that was put off, it took a few days before they got a new date. Yours was rapid. We knew. Ra- I've got a team around me where if they say something, they do it. That, that's what how good they are. So they said to me, right, it's only four or five weeks. So have a few days off. Within an hour, I'm sitting there and he went, it's on, Master 12. It's done. Said sounds happy days. In that particular instance, you're not dwelling on anything because, like you say, you've been through it before with Abril. Yeah. You're thinking to yourself, you could start to feel sorry for yourself yeah. and get wrong in your head regarding the what comes up, and then if it gets sprung on you, right, it's happening at this particular point. You've got to re-motivate yourself. Yeah. But yours, it was an hour, bang away, we go again. Exactly. And the, the Abril fight was it was a nightmare because I just had sparring partners over for two weeks, paid them, put them in accommodation, done everything for them. As soon as I got off the ring, my last spar, it was off. And I was like, you're having a laugh. And he went, nah. He's pulled out. The second one, um, it, I, sorry, the second fight, I didn't know to Liverpool. I done my public workout that night. And then I was meant to, um, and then I didn't, I didn't know. My trainer knew. But they were just trying to come round with it. And then someone tweeted me saying, Abel's out the fight. And I so rang Danny and he went, I knew last night, but I didn't want to tell you. But, and that's when I was meant to fight Barossa. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Barossa couldn't get a visa in time, so Barossa went to Tony Louise, was meant to fight in America. So we and Barossa swapped places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Barossa went to America. And that's where Tony the interim Louise title came, came from, yeah. And that's where the interim title came in. That's when I got told I'll be awarded full world title. I'm still waiting. Yeah. So it just goes to show that the WBA, they make their own rules up. Where do you see yourself in the mix at this moment in time? In Britain. Just, well, 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 well you, we're talking world level now. I mean, you're, like, you're not British level, you're world yeah, level now. You're um, fighting for a world title. You mentioned Ismail well, Barossa there, right? Yeah, Ismail Barossa, so for instance, it's, it's a mad one. Collar beats Barossa. Say, say Collar does beat Barossa. I beat Flanagan. When I beat Flanagan. Then people are going to go, it's you and Collar. I've beat Collar. Mm. Twice in my eyes, mm. so I'm number one. It's like well, there's an offer from Frank, isn't there? That he's yeah. put half a million quid down he's on the not table. Fighters, though, he's not going, and he's got to fight Barossa. The only way him not fighting Barossa is having a mandatory challenge. Is having a unification. You, yeah, you get you get past, you get yeah. bypassed. If you have a unification, you don't have to fight your mandatory challenger. Now, if he uses his brain, he manages himself as well. So his manager doesn't even get any cut out of that money. Frank offered Frank Warren offered him half a million pounds. Pays Joe Gallagher ten percent, and he's a rich man. Mm. Surely that's going to be more beneficial to him <laughs> than going and fighting. Yeah, because taking his mandatory. Because let's be let's be honest, he's not daft Collar though. You know Collar's a nice yeah. lad. He's he, yeah, you yeah. know he's not daft. So 
Unless the only way he's not unless Eddie Hearn's paying him half a million pounds to fight Barosa, and we all know Eddie's not paying him that. Mm. Everyone knows that in boxing, so I don't get what. Plus, is the, the the prospect of part three with yourself is mouthwatering yeah. for every single yeah, fan on the planet. Stadium, it's, I think the echo will be too small for it. We done ten thousand last time. Mm. The MEN. Well, you're world champion going in. He's world champion going in. Liverpool versus Manchester once again, part three. There's a lot to to help sell that particular yeah. fight. Exactly. It's a massive fight. We went from fighting in Oldham in a sports centre mm. with 1,500 people there yeah. to fighting on Bellew's undercard when he boxed Chilemba and that was about five for Everyone knows that. Yeah. The arena was full. We'd finished. The arena empties out. A lot of, I'm, don't get me wrong, Anthony brought loads of fans, loads of Manchester fans, and it was a great night. Because Liverpool and Manchester, it's, yep. it's good rivals. And mm. So the next one, if Anthony Collard does want to fight, it's there for him, unless Eddie Ayn comes in with a bigger offer. Yeah. Is that the fight you would choose? Once fi- yeah, once finally, is that the fight you want? Yeah. Well, it's, it's about earning money now. Yeah. You know, if someone said to me, right, you can fight for half a million pounds, I'll be a world champion. But if you're world champion, you not you might never earn half a million pounds. You'll earn twenty year, thirty there, yeah, twenty it, yeah. yeah. Give me the half a million quid. Mm. Yeah. You can have the belt back. You can have the belt back. It's about <laughs> money. It's yeah. about looking after it. Well, it's a short career, isn't it? Yeah. It's a short career, you're setting your family up for life. You want half a million quid. It's an incredible situation now though with the three of you. You've got three lads all within so many miles of each other that are world class lightweights. Yeah. Even Ricky Burns. Just fight each yeah. other in Ricky Burns wants a piece of this pie, doesn't it? Ricky Burns as well. Ricky Burns now. He's going to have uh WBO unif- um, final final eliminator. Yeah. Eddie Ernst signed to get him. Now, everyone knows him, him and, him and Frank Warren don't like each other. So now what happens if, well, when I, I'm going to beat Flanagan, yeah? So, Ricky Burns becomes mandatory challenger for me. Mm-hmm. Frank Warren wins the purse bids. Is he going to fight on a Frank Warren bill? I don't think so, because I think every bit of money he earns for the next couple of years, he's got to pay Frank. Mm. Unless Eddie Ayn wins the purse bids. Because Frank Warren, he, he declared himself bankrupt. Oh, the politics of boxing. Is, the yeah. politics of boxing. And I like I like what Frank said where he said, we'll both go in a room, him and Eddie Ayn. Blind, blind bid. Blind, and we'll start at half a million pounds. Mm, brilliant. See, that's the type of stuff as a fighter, as someone that's it, yeah. you know, 50th fight coming up. Ricky Burns as well, tons of experience. Uh, and Crawley, and this is what you want. You, you want what you deserve, what you've what you earned. They offered him public on, on the TV, million and a half quid. He said no. He's getting double that now. Yeah. Maybe more. He's getting, probably getting double that and then I'd off every pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Eddie just thinks they're going to jump on him. They're going to jump on him, but, but they're not. Mm. They're just, you know, it's, it's, it's money talk. Frank Warren, in my eyes, is, is the biggest player. It's the biggest player in boxing. Everyone knows that. It's just that Sky TV, they've got the platform. They've got the, you know, they're on Sky Sports News every two minutes. They're on... Sky Sports every two minutes so but the thing is as as his stable keeps growing with world champions Beefy's in there yeah exactly, exactly. And Billy Joe's in let's there let's not forget Beefy got offered the world title fight before he he, bought, he won the world title he could have boxed the one who boxed Brian Rose yeah yeah and said no I'm not ready I'll go again I'll wait a few weeks a few months and credit to him he waited a few months he got it easy got it well, not at all easy but it was one of the easiest world titles yeah. you could you could get and you might have dismantled the fella. And now, and now he's on the cusp of maybe finding someone like a Miguel Cotto for mega, mega money. Exactly. And rightfully in. 
And that's what it's all about. That's about the money. And if he gets Cotto, it's, it's a massive fight. If he, yeah. if he fights Cotto, there were talks of fighting Canelo as well, but now he's fighting Khan. But all kinds of beefy. If he gets Cotto, it's a, it's a massive fight. When they were talking about Canelo, I was like, Categorically, I was like, Beefy will take it. Yeah. If it was Beefy, Beefy's idea, he'd take that fight. Yeah. Not a problem. I think he'll fight. I think he'll but take I think, the cut off. But I think he will. But what, I'm, what I mean is, I wouldn't have given much chance against Canelo. I wouldn't give anyone yeah. much chance against Canelo. And that's no disgrace on Beefy. Yeah. But I do give him a chance against Cotto. Well, like, well, I give him a chance against Cotto all day. Everyone I've spoke to has said that he beats Cotto. Yeah, I think he does. I really Ev- think he does. said Cotto's done now. Yeah. Cotto on his, on his day beats anyone in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now it could be Beefy's time. 100%. I love that fight for him, yeah. If you beat Cotto. Oh, that's it. But there you go. Then it's not just one Canelo fight. It's a half a dozen big Even, title for fights. Instance, in the Cotto fight, if they do eventually, if they do fight, there must probably be a contract where he fights Cotto again. Yeah, yeah. There'll be a rematch <laughs> clause or something money. like that. Yeah, exactly. Sensational money. It's been a pleasure being in your company, Derry. Um, I know that you're only back for a brief spell before you crack on uh, in Marbella with the rest of your camp. Um Hopefully we'll see you in the ring on uh, on March the 12th. But, uh, it, 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 it. <laughs> this is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes store. Denny Matthews deserves this world title fight more than anybody potentially I've covered in 16 years of boxing. You know, he's he deserves this more than anything. I'm not saying it's an easy fight, far from it. You know, I really do rate Terry. I think he's an outstanding prospect. I would go as far as to say with Terry Flanagan... Along with maybe Ismail Barossa at this moment in time, he's the best lightweight on the planet. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that, definitely. So therefore, it's a very difficult task on Saturday night. It is, and it, it is. And for, you know, Teddy will 100% start as the favourite in this fight, and deservedly so. He's obviously fighting for the potential of an all-Manchester world title unification with Anthony Crawler as well. You know, there's so much on offer in this fight. But anybody that bets against Derry Matthews Absolutely. is a fool because this is his 50th fight. We've talked about Destiny earlier with uh, with young Jazza Dickens. 50 fights, Derry Matthews. This is his toast on Saturday night. This is his crown and glory. This is his chance to become a genuine world champion. Um, he can take that to the grave then, you know. To do it, he's going to have to be the very best Derry Matthews we've ever seen, I believe. Because Terry is no pushover, as we touched on then. Terry is something a bit special in my mind. I think he's a very strong, very powerful lightweight. And has, since he won the world title, his confidence has just gone through the roof. So Derry Matthews got to have to be the best Derry Matthews we've ever seen to win this world title Saturday night. But the stage is set. Got a fantastic uh, competition prize lined up for you. If you do follow us on Twitter, uh, you will have seen the post. If you don't follow us on Twitter, what are you doing? at Fight Disciples. Press the follow button and you will see the tweet which is pinned right at the top of our account. You have got until 12pm Thursday. Uh, So the prize is a pair of signed gloves by um, Derry Matthews and Terry Flanagan. Both boxers have signed a pair of uh, fantastic Reebok gloves. And we've also got a pair of tickets to give away for the fight on Saturday night. Now these aren't the cheap seats. You're not in the gods. Each ticket is worth 150 quid. Thank you so much to the lovely people at Frank Warren for donating those tickets yep. in order for us to give them away. You will get the whole package, so you'll get the signed gloves and the tickets for the fight. We'll send them out separately. You'll get the boxing gloves next week because you don't want to take them to the fight with you probably and we will put the tickets on the door so you can pick them up. We'll explain all that to you once you've won it. However, it's very, very simple the way that you enter this competition. You must retweet the tweet 
that is on our Twitter feed. Simple as that. That's all you've got to do at this moment in time. Retweet the tweet that's on our Twitter feed, at Fight Disciples. What we will then do, we will pick five people that have retweeted that tweet at random to participate in a little game of how many, if any. We will call you back to play this game with Derry Matthews. Derry, by the way, is a closet Coronation Street fan. I have asked him to name as many of his favourite Coronation Street characters in 30 seconds. All you've got to do is guess the amount. And if you can do that, you'll win the prize package, okay? Uh, But your main task at this moment in time, all you've got to do, retweet the tweet on at Fight Disciples. It will shut off at 12 o'clock noon on Thursday, and then you'll get a call back from me and Nick to play the game. Best of luck. Um, Also, whilst we're at it, begging you, uh, please um, subscribe to the podcast and write us a lovely five-star review. Now, Nick, you've had a little bit of trouble with the five-star review situation from friends and family. Yeah, people don't know how to leave a review once they're following us on the iTunes. So... What you have to do is, if you're already, obviously everybody listening to this should already be subscribed to us anyway, but what you need to do is you need to go into your into your podcast app, you need to go to your search window, search for this podcast like it was the first time you're ever looking for it, click on the link, and on there you'll see a button that says reviews, where you can have a little look and see how many great reviews we've already had. When you click on reviews, it'll say, do you want to leave a review? Bingo. That's, that's the button you need to press, and that's how you can leave us a nice five-star review with a nice little write-up and uh, ensure that the best fight podcast in the country carries on. Next time with the Fight Disciples. We find out who's won the uh, Derry and Terry ringside seats and boxing gloves, and believe you me, Derry knows his stuff when it comes to Coronation Street. Steve MacDonald, <laughs> Kevin Webster. <laughs> Don't forget... Entries for that competition close at noon on Thursday. Good luck. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.